Hello, hello, and welcome to another edition of the Awesome in Seattle podcast. This is your host, Christian Awesome of the Awesome and Awesome Group at Wilson Realty. And today we have a very special guest. We are talking about beer. More specifically, we are talking about Stoop Brewing in Ballard and Kenmore. Don't forget. And we have co-founder and creative director of Stoop Brewing, Lara Zahaba, on as a guest today. Um, thank you for joining us, Lara. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, she is pretty awesome. Um, and because of her and others, I'm sure, uh, Stoop has become a cornerstone of Seattle's Ballard uh, Brewery District. It's my favorite brewery in Ballard, partly because we do a lot of classes there, but also because it's just amazing. They have an awesome outdoor space. Um, they have a great event space upstairs. It's just really fun. So uh, we have Laura on today to talk really about how Stoop got started, what's on tap heading into the summer of 2022 at Stoop, and what's coming up for Stoop in the future. Uh, I'm also hoping that Laura will share some expert insight on the Seattle area and the Washington State craft beer scene. <laughs> so thank you again, Laura, for joining us. Yeah, I'm really happy to be here. Uh, I am also joined by a fellow Seattleite and one of the amazing agents here at the Awesome and Awesome Group, Miss Reed Watson. That's me. I'm here too. <laughs> Reed is also our resident local beer connoisseur. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. <laughs> we a, love those. <laughs> it's a label I just bestowed upon her. Well, thanks. <laughs> yes. Reed, thanks for joining us. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me as always, Christian. I am also very excited. Stoop's one of my favorite places that we do classes, especially because it's only, oh, probably five or six blocks away from where I live. So I also go there when we don't have classes and some <laughs> I have been known to edit a podcast or two out there when it's when it's nice outside with a with a mixtape beer in my hand. So. There you go. Awesome. Well, we here at the Awesome Awesome Group are very familiar with Stoop. We're big fans of their beer, obviously. Um, my actual favorite summer beer is from Stoop and it's the Citra IPA. Stoop refers to that as sunshine in a glass. It's super light and bright in both color and body, and it's absolutely delicious. If you haven't had it yet, definitely try it, especially on a sunny day. But beyond just loving the beer, like I said earlier, we regularly host our beers and home buying class at Stoop in Ballard in their upstairs event space. We have actually had upwards of 50 people in that space pre-pandemic, obviously. Not everyone was seated. <laughs> I don't think we could seat that many people the way that we usually have the class set up, but there was definitely like standing room and they have a bunch of like stools in the back and stuff like that. So uh, I love Stoop, especially their event space because like you have your separate bartender up there. You don't have to leave. There's bathrooms right up there. It's just awesome. So if you're ever looking for an event space for like a wedding reception or a company party or something like that, like they're not paying us to say this. I just genuinely love their event space and wanted to share that. So um, we also love that Stoop is just like, they're such a part of the community. And as a dad of three kids, I also really appreciate that it is family friendly as not all local breweries are. Uh, and I'm sure Reed would chime in and say it's also dog friendly because it is. <laughs> there's always dogs there as well. So, um, so yeah, let's get into why we're really here today. Not just me bragging about Stoop, but, uh, but let's, let's talk about how Stoop got started. Laura, let's, let's share. All right. Gosh, it's always so hard for me to decide how to condense this story down because <laughs> 
I mean, it really is in part a story of, you know, my entire almost 30 year relationship with my husband now, because he had, you know, craft beer epiphanies in, in college. And I feel like I suffered a lot of really bad beer drinking in college. (laughs) But when Brad and I started dating, he introduced me to a lot of the local craft breweries. And I've always described our relationship as being built pint by pint because really all of our dates took place in the local breweries and the beer pubs here in Seattle. And whenever we were traveling, we took that kind of passion for beer on the road and we were always seeking out uh, local craft beer. So that was a lot of fun. And Brad was home brewing at that time, but he was by uh, trade and education a forensic chemist. Hmm. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, exactly. So he was working in a lab in Ballard. It was my career in wine. I was working um, as a local wine sales rep when I had the opportunity to move to the East Coast to represent Italian wines out there. And we moved to Hoboken, New Jersey. And um, I began my career on the marketing and more creative side of things and worked for that importer for seven years. and Brad came with and maintained an element of his, you know, home career with the with the lab in Seattle. But it afforded him a lot of free time. Um, and so he was doing a lot of home brewing at that time in our teeny tiny Hoboken apartment. <laughs> and there were more than one accident mishap. Um, and long story short is that I booted him out of the apartment. <laughs> and at, as luck would have it, there was this, I don't know, some some listeners, some music fans might be aware of a, of a bar called Maxwell's in Hoboken, New Jersey. For a long time, it was a really famous music venue. A lot of the bands would pass through there and play. But for some reason, at the time that we were living in Hoboken, they were in the process of converting it to a brew pub. And it was literally two blocks from our apartment. And so I just shoved Brad down the street and said, you know, go see if you can make beer over there. <laughs> and he was able to, he was able to, and that really launched his professional brewing opportunity because by the time that we came home to Seattle, he had worked for five different breweries in the local New Jersey, New York area. Wow. So that's my long-winded way of saying that I like to take credit. Yeah. <laughs> like how would Stoop exist if I hadn't shoved Brad out the door? Uh-huh. But anyway, when we did come home to Seattle, he did return to the lab full time and we started our family as we were starting out with our family and everything, of course, we were looking for stability. But the reality of the matter was that at the time we were, when we had this really small children, we were both working for very intense and kind of crazy bosses. And we were kind of miserable just mm-hmm. doing the slog every day. Mm-hmm. And we started asking ourselves why we weren't doing the thing that we both loved so much. So that for us was the start of really thinking about the possibilities of brewing as a career. And at the same time, Robin Schumacher, who is the third partner in Stoop Brewing, was kind of going through the same thing in her own career. Robin was a high school biology teacher. She had also had her own craft beer epiphany in college. And her wife had gifted her a kegerator. And rather than continuing to purchase kegs to fill that kegerator, she decided to start making beer for it. And kind of that was the beginning of her journey. And as luck would have it, 
mutual friends put us in touch or really what they did was put Brad and Robin in touch so that they could, you know, talk about all things beer. Mm -hmm. And so that's how that conversation was born. And that's how the idea continued to grow from there until we all were ready to take a leap and make dramatic changes to our lives. And we decided to partner together and um, that's how it all happened. Wow. What year was it that, that Stoop started? We signed our lease on April 1st of 2013 and we opened our doors in October. Wow. So this fall will be nine years of Stoop Brewing. That's awesome. Is there going to be a giant 10-year party? There will definitely be a giant 10-year party. <laughs> we haven't done recent parties for many obvious reasons, but 10-year yes. ten, ten will be something to celebrate for sure. That's amazing. Yeah. Exciting. I actually had my very first real summer job right across the street from Stoop. So when I was there, my you know older bosses were like, oh gosh, like a brewery in Ballard. That's crazy. You know? So right across the street, what's going <laughs> to happen? So I am just sort of curious as to, I, I can't quite recall if you were the first brewery in Ballard proper or just one of the, one of the first for sure well, in this area. How did we, that come about? We are on the early side of this newer proliferation of breweries mm -hmm. in Ballard, but definitely not the first. Mm -hmm. So the neighborhood anchors um, until recently were Hales, which mm -hmm. actually is now closed, but Maritime Brewing as well. Mm -hmm. And then, let's see, we were preceded in, in our little rectangle on the right. east side of 15th. We were preceded by Rubens gotcha. on 14th, and that's when they were in their you know, the, the small yep. uh, five barrel brewery, which yeah. is up on 50, is it 53rd or 54th on the other side of 15th. Mm -hmm. And then Populux followed, yep. but Populux opened at the same time that Peddler opened on the other side of the Ballard Bridge. Mm -hmm. And Hilliard's, I think, was already there, right? Hilliard's preceded both of them. And then, and then we, so in, on our rectangle, we were number three, followed mm -hmm. by Lucky Envelope. And then, of course, it has continued to explode from there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yes, early, but not the first. Gotcha. How did the neighborhood respond when you guys opened up? Well, in general, beer drinkers were so thrilled and welcomed us with open arms. But we did have a little bit of a neighborhood mishap because we actually hosted, before opening our doors to the public, we hosted a birthday party for a good friend of ours mm -hmm. and that was a that party went late into the night like later than we ever go um as a business at mm -hmm. Stoop so I think a DJ started maybe around 10 or 11 o'clock at night and we just didn't even realize like how everything reverberates in that hood right it's <laughs> hard surfaces everywhere so concrete and stainless steel and so the DJ fires up and the next thing you know, the whole neighborhood, the block to the east of us was beside themselves. <laughs> they were really, really, really upset. And for us, we were like, oh my gosh, for us, it felt, you know, we wanted to come into the the, the neighborhood and, and be good neighbors. So we right. had no intention of being this kind of late night hangout or mm -hmm. loud spot, but they didn't know us yeah and so their first introduction to us really created 
um, in Assumption. And those first few months, like we would go to their neighborhood meetings and really try to explain that it was just a singular event. And ever since then, we've been really careful. Like if we ever are having live music at the brewery, we Mm -hmm. try to let the neighborhood know. But we also, you know, we close at 10 p.m. every night. So things are wound down nice and early. But but that that was it's sort of two different things like beer lovers in Seattle embraced us wholly. But our tiny little neighborhood, we had that. Right. Unfortunate misstep. It was, it's Oops. funny in retrospect. Though. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's definitely one way to put your name on the map. <laughs> exactly. yeah. Maybe not the right people? way, but it's yeah. one way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Speaking of the map, you guys also have a Kenmore location, which I have only been to once and I thought it was absolutely awesome. But tell us how and why that came about. Well, that is really born of our relationship with the YMAT group of restaurants. So your listeners would better know them as the owners of places like Rhinehouse, mm. sure, Sabine yeah. over in Ballard, and mm-hmm. Paquitos. Yeah. And so they were operating a restaurant in Kenmore called Seaplane. Mm-hmm. And at the time that they started Seaplane, the city leaders in Kenmore really wanted a fine dining establishment. And so that's what they did. Chef Jason Stoneburner was lead, was is one of the owners actually, and of course in charge of the kitchen. And so it was a beautiful restaurant, but Kenmore Kenmore residents perhaps weren't really ready for, or not that they weren't ready for it. They're certainly ready for it, but it, it's not the type of community that can support fine dining seven or yeah. even five mm-hmm. nights a week, right? Yeah. It's yeah. you know it's a weekend oriented, a special occasion neighborhood still. And so they weren't achieving what they wanted to achieve. But then when the pandemic hit, it, of course, became incredibly difficult. And so they wanted to recreate the restaurant in that same location. Mm -hmm. And what they observed during the pandemic was that the breweries were still a place of community gathering. Mm -hmm. I think because a lot of us... Well, we we had vibrant to-go models, which worked and was easier with packaged products like beer. Yeah. But also so many of us have a lot of outside space. Mm-hmm. And so we were sort of a safe haven for, for a lot of people. And, and the YMAC team kind of observed this and just decided that um, it would be fun to rebrand as a brewery tap room and kitchen. And we have a great relationship with them as wholesalers. Uh, They have always supported supported our beers in all of their locations. So they actually reached out to us about starting this in Denver and they invited us to be part of the project. And as we were considering it, you know, we considered our relationship with them. And then Kenmore is a neighborhood and one of our founding principles, like when we opened Ballard, it was always our desire to be in a neighborhood serving a really specific community mm-hmm. versus being, say, downtown where you would be um, maybe more engaged with tourism, Yeah, mm-hmm. for example. So, you know, Kenmore is a really great community neighborhood and they were hungry for more things and it felt like a natural fit for us. And we love everybody involved in WiMAC, and um, so we decided to take the leap, even though, even though we were in the middle of a pandemic and had no idea what the future would hold. Yep. Yeah. Well, I'd say it panned out. At least it certainly looks like it did. And I mean, going up there 
I was just up there recently and all of the outdoor like covered tables and stuff that you guys have was pretty awesome. Like there's not many places that have that kind of outdoor space. Uh, I thought that was brilliant to, to have all those constructed because it wasn't clearly obviously before the pandemic. I'm sure that wasn't all there. Well, you're right. And I, and I do have to say like one caveat is that the city of Kenmore was really generous and, and gave us half of the plaza. Wow. Um, for, during the pandemic while restrictions were still in place, but that they do need to take the plaza back and they are taking the plaza back. Mm -hmm. So we do have to contract all of that outdoor seating up in Kenmore to our own patio area. Mm -hmm. And we are working. So we have actually already moved one of the sheltered spaces Mm -hmm. closer to the building. And we are in the process of sorting out how to maximize outdoor space at Kenmore to keep that, you know, really appealing vibe. Yeah, because it is super appealing, especially on a nice summer day or even a spring day like today. Like it's it's apparently going to be sunny today, and it's like, well, that's a great day to go to Stoop and just hang out and for sure. enjoy the weather. So for sure, it's sun brings the beer lovers out. We yeah, learn that hundred <laughs> percent true. Yes, <laughs> things that might be historically interesting to note, like when you talk about you know why Washington became such a distinct craft beer market. A lot of it is, of course, due to those ingredients and proximity to hops. But Mm -hmm. it is interesting that, you know, there was there was a really vibrant home brewing group here. And when Charles Finkel started. Yeah, Pike. Well, not Pike, actually. Oh, really? What happened was he was the marketing director at Chateau Saint-Michel. And then he started his Merchant Duvin company and he was importing wine. But while he was in Europe discovering wines, he actually discovered European beers, probably more specifically Belgian beers. And so he discovered this whole array of flavors and decided to add beers to the portfolio. And so he is really credited with introducing Washington and even the United States to such a varying uh, plethora of beer styles and flavors. Wow. And I think that that spurned a lot of interest as we, as he gave beer lovers access to more it just created more and more interest so he actually jumped he did jump into the brewing game fairly early on but it was Mm -hmm. you know burt grant was the first not only was burt grant the first craft brew pub in washington but he was the first post-prohibition brew pub in the united states wow Wow. and and what was his his brew pub so he was over in yakima and it was Mm -hmm. burt grant's okay and so he made this his Scottish ale and he also made an IPA. And so he's really the first one in Washington, closely followed by um, Red Hook and Thomas right. Kemper. Gotcha. But so they're they're actually, I mean, obviously it could be a whole separate <laughs> yeah. segment because there's there's mm-hmm. deep history. But I do think it's interesting that Washington stands out for for those reasons. I mean, just Absolutely. having the first prohibition brew pub in the United States. Gosh, yeah. And then Charles Finkel is is so much more important than even everything he's contributed through Pike Brewing, right? He's he's right. amazing. He's amazing. Yeah. Wow. That's very cool to know. I didn't yeah. know that we, we had the first. I didn't know that either. Yeah. Post Prohibition Brew Pub. Very cool. Beer okay, well, I'm run just, deep. Yeah. 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 So one thing I, you know, really love about both Stoop, but also all of the breweries kind of in your little section of Ballard is that there is a great um kind of diversity of different types of beers. Yeah. Um, and I know that 
Stu particularly does quite a few different IPAs and has some incredible IPAs. And I, I learned very recently, actually, that Washington produces a huge quantity of the nation's hops. Yes. Um, so I was kind of curious to, to know your thoughts just a bit about the Washington beer scene and the ingredients that, that we get from around the state. We are so lucky. We yeah. are so lucky. I mean, number one, water. Breweries need a lot of water. Sure. And we wow, have, I never thought about that. Yes, so much, <laughs> yeah. so much water. Mm-hmm. And not only do we have um, supply of water, but our water is really pure and clean. Mm-hmm. So if you get deep um, into brewing conversation with brewers, like there are lots of things that you can do with water. You can adjust the minerality for various beer styles and so forth. But in some regions, you would have to adjust um, just to get back to that baseline pure mm-hmm. level, right. right? You're just going to have certain things in certain city waters that you're going to have to adjust for. But in Washington, we just have really clean, pure water. So that's like the base, right? And then the hop growing region across the mountains, we are so lucky. I mean, really probably considered to be the world's best hops at this point. I mean, yeah. there are certainly important wow. varietals that come from other parts of the world that would never be replaced, like the noble varietals from Germany. Mm-hmm. But everything that's happening in Yakima, especially with regard to breeding programs and new discoveries, is really exciting. And we can get there in a few hours. So that proximity is really important and it makes fresh hop season even more fun just because yeah. Washington brewers are more equipped than anyone else in the country to run over there and make beer from the freshest harvest hops in the fall. Um, but we also have a growing number of local barley growers and maltsters too. So really we have access to all of the key beer ingredients right here in our local arena. So that, mm-hmm. that, is one of the things that certainly makes Washington exciting. And then, of course, the other thing being that, you know, we just are a community of beer lovers. So mm-hmm. Washington tends to embrace beer and is always excited to try new things. It was interesting when we were starting out, we would often find that if you took a trip down to Portland, Oregon, you really wouldn't see much beyond the local Portland scene. Mm-hmm. They were so hyper localized and they really weren't interested in um the beers to the north or mm-hmm. even the south so you weren't seeing right. california and you know it's the same thing you don't see california wine on oregon wine lists either yeah true, whereas true. washington just tends to embrace all the things and washington beer lovers are like sure they're you know we were loving all of the um independent craft beer that was being made in portland and you would see it on our beer bar lists right. around town you so still it's kind do. of an, yeah. it's a different mentality i think a real openness Um, And then you're absolutely right in what you said about the diversity. Like, it's so great. Some people will ask us, I mean, one of the most frequent questions we get is whether we have hit saturation. Every time you hear that a new brewery is opening in Ballard, that's the big question for us, right? Mm -hmm. Like, But it's amazing to me how how unique we all manage to be. Even if there's a lot of crossover in styles, we all have our own unique personalities and taproom vibes and people are coming to see us for different reasons and roaming the hood and experiencing different things at different breweries. And then of course you have the real outliers like, you know, Fair Isle making legitimately different styled beers and more focused 
on saisons and um, wild fermentation. And so that brings another Mm -hmm. exciting element to the neighborhood too. We just have a lot to offer. One thing that I've always found fascinating about the whole Ballard Brucing is that it's not, I don't sense any like competitiveness or cutthroatness or any of that. Like it's so like open and sharing and like, yeah, you like this kind of beer, you should go over there and try there or whatever. And like, I've always felt that every time I've gone in there and I, and it just kind of blew me away and it's awesome. It's amazing. Um, it's yeah, it's quite it's amazing. Tr- it's true. It's very, very collaborative Yeah, and it has always been collaborative. And you know, one reason for that is that we have one common enemy, right? It's big beer. That's trying to wipe mm-hmm. out little beer. And so mm-hmm. we're, we band together and um, stand strong against that. But um, it really, the pandemic, of course, illustrated how collaborative we all are, because when I think back to the early days of the shutdown, like more March, April, May 2020, Mm -hmm. it was incredible how much we were all, you know, communicating with one another. Of course, all of us in Ballard, we established like-minded rules so that the community would know what to to expect for us and so that we wouldn't be you know, we wouldn't be having people try to tell us they could do something in one tap room and not in the other. But more importantly than that was really what was happening inside the breweries when we were all struggling to keep going and struggling to source ingredients. And Mm -hmm. we were sharing equipment. For those of us that weren't canning when shutdown happened, Mm -hmm. you know, our immediate salvation was putting beer into crawlers one at a time. Yeah. I can't tell you how many crawler machines the neighborhood burned through, but we would all be like, <laughs> okay, bad Jimmy's has, you know, bad Jimmy's needs it for two hours on such and such a day. Then it comes back to stoop and Lagunitas was loaning us their machine. The flat stick oh. pubs that had to shut down right. entirely downtown. They brought the machines in. Sometimes oh. we would run out of the can caps or we couldn't source aluminum or what have you. There was just a million things going on. Uh, and brewers were in constant contact about, ingredients and sharing and how to help and how to band together. So it was, it was an amazing time, but it was just a brighter reflection of the way the local industry always operates. Actually. That's pretty amazing. One thing I, I learned when I lived over in Walla Walla, I had a friend who ran a brewery over there and their wine scene is very well formed, but the brew scene is brewery scene is still kind of up and coming. Mm Mm-hmm. And when a couple more breweries opened up, he just said, you know, we're all better off when we're all right, because it draws more people to the scene. And I think that that's really clear in this, you know, kind of small craft Ballard brewery scene where sure you have a few different, like quite a few different breweries, but it's become such a destination that pull in so many more people than just one brewery would be capable of doing on their own. Right. It's it's true. It's and then, true. And then you get kind of these events, these locals, these regulars, such as we were chatting right before the podcast about the the running groups that come through. Yeah. And I believe they frequent different breweries at different times, right? And, you know, you've got to draw for all of these great food trucks and just kind of events groups. It, it just, it draws in so many more people than than a single brewery could do on its own. For sure. I think one time um, Adam Robbins of Rubens Brews was quoted as saying, you know, rising suds float all breweries, right? (laughs) And it is very true that 
when a brewery hosts a really successful event, the rest of the neighborhood is going to benefit from that. Mm-hmm. You know, Rubens is going to have their goats. The goats are coming back. <laughs> and we always know that when the goats are at the Rubens tap room, we need to brace yeah. <laughs> because there's a ton of overflow. Mm-hmm. They are bringing a lot of people to the neighborhood. And we like to think that that the same thing goes for us where we have live music. You know, people are coming to see that, but they're bouncing around before they head out of the neighborhood entirely. And then there are, of course, the events that we collaborate on together, which hopefully we can we can bring back this year, you know, the Oktoberfest and the St. Patrick's Day celebrations that we've done in the past and right. all kinds of fun things. So yeah, there's ample opportunity and you bring people into the neighborhood to enjoy a myriad of opportunities. Yeah, it's been it's been pretty amazing to see how really the breweries have helped to create the community. I mean, the Ballard was already a community, but I feel like it added a whole nother layer and elevated the entire community to become that much better. And it's just, so thank you from me to you as someone that has been born and raised in Seattle. Um, thank you for helping in that. Oh, that's awesome that you feel that way. And um, it feels weird to say you're welcome. It just feels <laughs> natural. Yeah. It just feels natural to be, to be able to do what we love in our home neighborhood Mm -hmm. and to, you know, get to know more and more of our neighbors through this venture and be part of something bigger. And the continued positive growth of Ballard in Seattle is, it's just really satisfying. It feels really good. Yeah. Yeah. I always take, I mean, I live close by of course, but I always take visitors on a little tour of, you know, Stoop and Urban Family and Mm -hmm. some of the other breweries around there just because I want them to, check out the Seattle beer scene. And I think it's something that people who aren't from here don't think that they probably go straight to coffee. Right. Um, right. Right. But you know, it's, it's just such a nice way to spend a little bit of time with, you know, an out of town, either guest or family member while also sharing a little piece of Seattle with them. And Definitely. so that's it's kind of un- always my go-to activity. I like it. It's unique. You can do it on foot. Mm-hmm. Exactly especially when the sun is shining and it feels so good to be out and about. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Let's, let's shift into actually talking about the beer that you brew. Yes. Okay. What, what are some of the most popular, what are, if someone's coming to stoop for the first time, what should they definitely try? Or is there a way to try numerous types? Like what's, what's the, give us the lay of the land. Okay. Well, Christian, you already, um, you already love, our most popular beer really is that Citra IPA. Yeah, it's because it's um, delicious. <laughs> Thank you. And also because it's, it is it is easy drinking. You know, it's not one of these um, uh, bigger, extremely hot forward IPAs. Yeah. It's just light and bright. And yes, as we describe it, sunshine in a glass. Exactly. Um, but we do pride ourselves on a wide range of styles. We are traditionalists at Stoop Brewing. So we are making beer according to the more classic beer styles. We're not working with a lot of adjunct ingredients. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not making, you know, milkshake IPAs or anything like that. We really do specialize in Northwest style IPAs. We like the clean and the bright, bold flavors of the Northwest hops. And bright, clear IPAs, Brad and Robin would want everyone to know, does not mean filtered. All of our mm-hmm. IPAs are unfiltered, even though they're not cloudy, right? Mm-hmm. Right. I think that sometimes the assumption is that that clear, bright beer is filtered, and that's not necessarily the case. Um, But coming into summer, we are so excited to have recently brought back our Bavarian-style Hefeweizen. 
Oh, yay. That's one of my favorites. Yes, it is. So we were surprised that beer took us by surprise. I will say that is a beer that Brad was brewing on the East Coast. Oh, wow. Um, and we and we drank so much of that beer when we were back there. And I was like, oh, we have to make that beer. And at that time, that style wasn't really something you were finding in Washington. You know, like the right. Washington mm-hmm. Hefeweizen was always that Northwest style, like the pyramid and the Widmer. Yep. And this is another animal entirely, but it has a distinct fan base. And um, so we, we roll it out every spring and it, we keep brewing it all through summer and then it goes away until the following spring. And so that is back on tap, which is exciting. The next couple of weeks, we'll see the release of, you know, Berliner Weiss, which is another, again, it's so great for summer. It's a clean, sour and really refreshing. And sometimes we'll we'll work with different flavor components there. Which we've made raspberry Berliner Weiss in the past, which, mm. I don't know, on a hot day, low alcohol, yeah. really bright, thirst-quenching flavors, delicious beers to drink under a hot sun for sure. Yum. And then, <laughs> and then as we get to fall, you know, we roll into fresh hop season and that is such a fun, exciting time because we're literally driving over to Yakima, grabbing freshly harvested hops and racing them back to brew same day. Wow. Um, yeah. While they're fresh and nobody in the States can do that as fast as like Washington and Oregon, right? Nobody yep. can have that same freshness factor. So there's a lot, but to, to your question about how people would taste a variety, we of course offer taster trays. So it is possible to come in and line up a grouping of distinct styles and or just talk to our beer tenders. We have such a really friendly, knowledgeable staff and they can always yeah. guide people based on what they're looking for in a beer. They if, are definitely friendly. Every time you. we're there for a class, like they are super kind, super friendly. Even when they're slammed, they're there to answer questions and help. And they are they are really great and um not a promise if you go there especially when they're busy but um, my dog always gets a, a little treat too so oh, <laughs> she loves we love dogs. she loves to visit which is excellent oh it is so funny i mean i it is really funny to watch some people walking by they get anywhere near the entrance and the dog is suddenly just like dragging them to the bar yeah <laughs> those dogs know smart dogs <laughs> beer they're dog lovers inside yeah <laughs> Well, one thing that I love about it is uh, for my kids, they always have the rotating food trucks. Mm, So it's like, you know, if we're ever wondering what the heck to have for dinner and we don't have 4 billion sports going on like we do right this (laughs) minute, um, (laughs) you know, you could go over there. I can get a nice crisp beer and the kids can get something from the food truck because you guys have, I mean, much like a lot of places, but you guys have a different food truck every night of the week and it's always changing and i just love the fact that you know you can go to your website and see exactly who's coming when and yeah it's awesome it has been great i mean it not not doing food ourselves was a very conscientious decision um brad robin and i have really complementary skill sets but and and we also love food all three of us but we are not professional we would have no idea how to do that right yep, yep. and so we were really fortunate that the food truck scene was something that was really starting to roll in Seattle when we were opening the brewery and it's the best it's just so such it's so mutually beneficial i mean it's a built-in customer base for the truck and it's such an added benefit for our customers and the variety is super fun so we like to work with 
14 treks at any given time and we do them on an every other week rotation so that there's enough consistency for people that are coming back, you know, for a favorite food truck, but the variety does get rolled in there too. And hot tip, Kristen, I mean, maybe depending upon the ages of your kids, you're not there yet, but so many parents are just dropping those kids at all of the sporting events at Gilman Park and rolling over (laughs) during practice for their own beer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But the food trucks are great. We love them. Yeah. Now you have that outdoor space. And like I said earlier, we always rent the upstairs event space. Do you have other spaces that you can rent out as well there? We do not rent out the whole space and the um, or the beer garden because it's really hard to let customers that are coming know when something like that has changed. So we just want yeah. to be as open to the public as we can at all times. Yeah. However, during the pandemic, we did carve out a little corner of our beer garden and we erected a a greenhouse Mm -hmm. back there i've seen that it's really pretty it's well we're constantly working on it right it's so great it is really cute and we're we're trying to grow it with more plants and adding elements all of the time but it is a cozy quiet corner of the beer garden where probably isn't comfortable for more than eight people it would feel pretty crowded in there if you were to get to eight people and beyond, but it can be reserved in two hour increments. It's really easy to make the reservation directly on our website. It's just a $100 booking fee and a portion of that goes to um, one of five charitable organizations that Hmm. the customer can actually choose directly on our website. That's cool. Um, and it comes with, you know, a goodie bag of some treats while you're in there. So it's kind of a great way to have your own space or to know that you'll have a table in mm-hmm. the beer garden if you're coming on a busy Saturday night or, or something like that. Or if you're having a little birthday party, you want to make sure you got a spot. And exactly. You're not having too many people, but. Yeah. Right. Not enough people to warrant renting the upstairs space, but just yep. to, but knowing that you have a place to land. Yeah. I do have one question just kind of as we wrap things up that I've been curious about this whole time i love the stoop logo i think it's really cool and i'm particularly curious as to where did you find or how did you choose the name stoop ah yes well stoop is something our at the time our four-year-old or three-year-old child said and at that Mm -hmm. well i should go back even further So when Brad and I were first making the decision, like, you know what, we're going to do this, we came up with Critical Juncture Brewing Company. That was our working name, actually. And as we started sharing the idea with friends, one friend in particular came back and said, well, you might as well call it Midlife Crisis Brewing Company. (laughs) (laughs) And so we were like, oh, Rutro, back to the drawing board. And so our child said the word stoop at one point and at, and we were just putting every single word we heard in front of beer, in front of brewing, in front of brewery. Uh-huh. And we were like, stoop brewing. That's, that's strong. That sounds yeah. good. And we looked it up and stoop is an old English word for like a tankard, the type of vessel that you would have brought into your local pub and had them oh. fill with ale. What? And we're like, oh, oh my gosh, three-year-old marketing genius. Yeah. And so we ran with it. It is also the font of holy water outside of the church door. So Uh we like to, and that was actually, that was a London Times crossword puzzle answer. So it's legit. And we like to talk about blessing ourselves in beer. And 
we had also found like in the Nordic language that meant beaker. It was the word for a beaker. And since, you know, we are the art and science of beer and Brad and Robin are scientists yeah. and our tasting glasses are designed to look like beakers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It all are. honestly fell into place. Wow. That's how stoop. Very cool. Yeah. Well, funny. Laura, thank you so much for spending some time with us and for sharing the awesomeness that is stoop the seattle beer scene stoops brewing history and all things seattle beer uh we really appreciate it um clearly you guys genuinely care about the community and it's uh, you know as as the awesome in seattle podcast which you know we talk a lot about real estate but we're also talking a lot about just community we also talk a lot about the seattle history um so we felt like this was a good a good thing to talk about as well because beer is so ingrained in our community. Um, and we couldn't think of a better place to feature other than you guys, Stu Brewing. So thank you for joining yeah. us. Thank well, you thank so you. much, Laura. This oh, is great. Thank you to both of you. I really appreciate the invitation and really appreciate the opportunity to work with you and host your organization upstairs regularly. And thank you for teaching people how to acquire a home in this crazy home we call Seattle, because that's not easy. (laughs) It's it's not, but we make it easy with our beers and home buying class. Um, There you go. And this is a great time to plug it. it. (laughs) Beersandhomebuying.com, beersandhomebuying.com. It's how you can sign up for our free monthly beers and home buying class. Uh, They are literally no pressure. They are one hour long. Um, When they're at Stoop, they're upstairs. Uh, It's basically free beer, and we talk you through the home buying process. It's it's really laid back. We do them all throughout the city of Seattle, but also in the suburbs as well. We teach these classes, and it's it's a lot of fun. So if you are ever interested in learning how to buy a house, sign up for free on our website, beersandhomebuying.com. You can always see the upcoming classes we have there as well. Our next one at Stoop, I believe, is in June. It It is is the 15th of June. Yes, June 15th at Stoop. So if you are listening and you want to buy a house and it's 2022, (laughs) (laughs) you should definitely come to the next Stoop Brewing class. For Um, sure. We look forward to seeing you there and anyone else that attends. Yes. And one of these days, I will join Adam on the Stoop run on Sundays. Yes, please. Is that every other Sunday? Is that the deal? It is every other Sunday. We meet in the tap room at 1145 a.m. It's three miles down the Burt Gilman. Um, We come back, we drink dollar off pints together, and it is a really great group of people. So many friendships have been born of this run that is, you know, we're eight, almost nine years old. So that makes the run at least six years old. Wow. And really a lot of fun. They, a a core group of them actually just got back from the Vancouver Marathon. Wow. So they're they're intense, but it's no pressure, all abilities, lots of walkers. Yes. Super fun. That's what I've heard. Lots of walkers, people with kids and strollers. Like totally. it's, it's totally chill. But it's also if you want to go, you know, try and have a PR that day, you can. You can. <laughs> yeah. You'll just be the first one back and the exactly. first one with a beer in your hand. Yeah, totally you get, fine. Get those dollar off beers. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I'll meet well, you there. I'll pay full price for mine and I'll just meet, meet you at the end. <laughs> That's also totally acceptable. Excellent. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Laura. Reed, thank you for everything. And we'll see you next time on the Awesome in Seattle podcast. Thanks, Sounds Laura. Great. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Right. Bye.